All right, Michelle O'Neill with O'Neill Wasaki. We are back with our section three of Tales from the Crypto, talking about cryptocurrency. I'm still joined by Andrew Spear with my law firm, uh, who is our resident expert on cryptocurrency. This segment, we're going to talk about tracing cryptocurrency. So if you were in the middle of a divorce and you knew you had some assets, then how are we going to trace those assets? Um, all right. So we're going to talk about what can be traced, what cannot be traced, how to trace it, all that stuff. So let's go. Uh, what is it? What is tracing? Tracing is just, uh, it's much like tracing money on bank accounts, right? $20 went here, $20 went there. You can see what bank account number it went into. Uh, that concept applies to some cryptocurrencies. Um, specific areas where tracing won't work are privacy coins like Monero, um, that's essentially almost two coins lapped on top of each other and, or two rings, and it's impossible to trace. Uh, the government might be able to, like the CIA might have a way, uh, but no one else will have a way so to when, do that. So when you're talking about tracing in this concept, are you talking about identification tracing? Absolutely. Okay. The whole way. So, so we're not talking about characterization of the asset for divorce purposes. We're talking about tracing from a standpoint of identifying that there is even an asset yes, to talk well, about both right because once i identify it then i characterize it right um and so yes identifying it first um if i know you have a public address uh if you give me your public address in discovery right it'll tell me you have you know 10 bitcoin and, and for those of us who are old out there you don't oh, yeah. mean like my street address Sorry. at home you're talking about a public address like a, a string of a letters and numbers address. yeah okay. um your public key uh, is a, another way to remember it. Um, imagine one. Imagine a public key or public address is when you're signing into your bank account. That's your username, right? And your private key is your password. All right. Oh, that's, that's a, a great, great way yeah, to remember. That's a great way to remember it. Yeah. And you never want to give anyone, well, either, but you really don't want to give them your password, Correct. right? Because you give them your password, they log in, they take all your money. Same thing with the private key. They lo I take all your money when I have your private key. But so to trace money or to trace cryptocurrency, you're focusing on the public key, public key only. Uh, you don't need to know what the private key is because you can see it moving from public key to public key on its own. You don't need to know the numbers or anything. The change in value means a private key moved. Um, and so let's just start. I'm in discovery. I ask you for all your public keys, right? You give them to me. Then I put them in what is known as a blockchain explorer. Every different cryptocurrency has one online, except for the privacy coins, where you can see every single transaction that's ever occurred. And so I enter that address into the blockchain explorer. And I can see if you've moved that money since you told me what your public address was, right? I will know if you sold it or if you transferred it. If you sold it on an exchange, I might be able to tell. I will know you moved it. Either you sold it or you kept it, right? Or you gave it to someone else. Um, those are really the three options. I, well, four. I kept it myself. I sent it to myself. I sold it or I gave it to someone else. Any movement, that is most likely what it means. Um, but what's more important than that, let's say I did not go and get rid of all my Bitcoin after I told you my public address, right? I said, this is my public address. This is how much I have. Now I need to find out where that came from. Now we want to go to the characterization side of it. You can work this two different ways. We'll do, we'll do it this way. I gave you my public address. I see who sent you that money, right? If it's an exchange, 
um, for instance, Binance and Coinbase, it will show sometimes, sometimes, okay, uh, that it came from there. That address will be linked. Um, not always, but sometimes. Um, but let's just say I know that you have a Coinbase address, right? I can show it. There's two different things. It will literally say Coinbase sometimes, okay? And other times it will show an address. If I know what your Coinbase address is, because you gave that to me too, like you're supposed to in Discovery, then I know you sent that money from Coinbase to this place, okay? Where you're now holding it. Likely a cold wallet. Once I'm in Coinbase, I can see all of the cash that went in and out and from what bank account it came from. And so... I can see, I've now traced it backwards. You can also trace it starting from the bank account and working your way around. Um, that you spent $1,000 on Bitcoin on this day, right? So, um, and I know you have this much Bitcoin. Uh, you can almost just follow the whole thing through. Uh, that's the easiest way to trace. Now, sometimes you can trace it by where it lands, right? I only have the exchange statement. Um, I know that I received 10 Bitcoin. I don't know where those came from, but I cashed out and I sold them. Did I own those somewhere else beforehand? I don't know. Um, but to trace it, start with the bank, work yourself up to the exchange, work yourself up to the public address. So, okay, so mm -hmm. so that's, that's looking for the identification of yes. the existence of mm -hmm. the cryptocurrency. Yeah. Do you think from a Texas divorce standpoint mm -hmm. that inception of title I guess is going to be the standard for deciding characterization of that. I would, I would think so. Um, depending on the currency, uh, but yes, because is does title it, incept to cryptocurrency in the same manner as a stock or in the same manner as a bank account? Or well, I would, move, I would say using separate property to buy mm -hmm. something else, or I sell my separate pro close in time, close in amount. I'd use that principle to say that I had $100,000 here that was my separate property from before marriage. Right. I used that to buy, uh, you know, 20 Bitcoins. Okay. Um, so inception of title would be if I owned it before the marriage. Mm -hmm. And then if I bought it during the marriage, but I could show that I used separate property to purchase it. It remains separate Then property. that could be separate property. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if it was purchased during the marriage, it's going to be community property right. presumption. Mm -hmm. So what if I bought, and I'm, I'm getting a little off of our tracing concept, but I have, a, I have a thought. Okay. So what if I had, if, what if I started my exchange account okay. before the marriage? Yes. Okay. And I have an amount of cryptocurrency, amount of Bitcoin that okay. I bought before the marriage. Okay. And then I'm seeing some characterization issues here. So, so that would be separate property if mm -hmm. I bought it before the marriage. Yep. Then what if I'm mining during the marriage? So then I get married and then okay. I own some Bitcoin that's separate yep. property, mm -hmm. but now I'm mining. So mm -hmm. that income's probably going to be community, right? Yes. And if you're putting it into that same public key, it's going to get all um, commingled. It'll be commingled. So then with a, with a bank account, like if mm -hmm. I had a bank account with dollars in it, yes. And I put some separate property in it that let's say I could trace, and mm -hmm. then there's some community property in it. Then the concept is that the separate property sinks to the no, bottom no. and it's community out first. Yes. I assume that that same concept would apply to the Bitcoin account. It depends. Okay. And here's where it gets this fun. This is good stuff. This is where it gets really fun. So 
my little ledger here, right, where I have all my Bitcoin, I can make this one thing have multiple public addresses. Um, so I can have my mining computer sending it to address one, and I could have had all of my old uh, Bitcoins at address two, right? But they're all still on this same thing, right? And so when I plug this in, it could look, it could look like either two different accounts or one. Um, if you use multiple addresses that all are to the same device, it would remain separate property over here. You wouldn't have community out first because it's divisible. Same device, multiple addresses, right? Um, and if you did it another way, because you can always just send it to in the same, I could send it all to address one, right? If I sent it all to address one, then you're right. Then we're in the community out first presumption, okay. right? Um, because it, it, it's going to get all mixed up. But, uh, yeah, it depends on what you But if you, you send it to two separate addresses, then the you've got room. a whole different problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like having two bank accounts. Gotcha. Uh, the same bank. So could you, I mean, if you were going to be honest about it and yeah. you were going to, you had your Bitcoin from before the marriage mm -hmm. in one address, then could yeah. you send all the community ones to a different address? So you had yes. your separate account and your community account? And you can do this with an exchange. You, it just, you got to be very careful when you do this. With an exchange, I can say, I can log in and I would say, I want to receive Bitcoin. And I say, give me an address to receive at. Um, I need to keep that address forever, right? I need to write that down and keep it. And I can then do it again and like refresh new one, right? And they'll give me a whole other address. And that's how you do two different addresses to the same exchange account. So when I log into the exchange, it'll tell me I have 100 Bitcoin, right? But in reality, it's 50 to this account and 50 to that. But when I log in, all I see is 100. And so what a, a tracer would actually have to do, someone who's tracing, would not be looking at the account balances, right? Not look for a change in the balance. You need to look at each transaction ID and see who sent what to where. And so, because you'll, you, you can see when it grows and there's a, something called a transaction ID and it will list literally all the details. And that's how you will see the two different uh, public keys that appear to be the same thing to an exchange. Uh, to anyone, to the casual observer of the exchange. If I logged in, I saw there's $100 or 100 Bitcoin. I wouldn't generally want to go through uh, and look for different transaction IDs. Uh, but you have to if you want to characterize it. If I am wanting to say it's all community, uh, that's the person who's trying to claim a separate property interest problem. Right, yeah. right. I mean, because it's going to be the burden of the person claiming it's separate. And that is a pain. And it's it, going to be very difficult, it, it sounds like. It uh, sounds yes. like it's going to be extremely difficult to overcome the Texas community property presumption. In an exchange, absolutely, the most. Um, yeah. But you can do it. It's just a lot of work. Um, better be worth a lot of money to be yeah, able to pay Andrew yeah. Spear his hourly rate <laughs> to trace it for you. I could do it. It's just, it's no fun. Yeah. Um, and then, then uh, you also have the good old change address problem. Okay. Uh, Tell me about that. Which we talked that. about earlier. Uh, when I send, I only want to sell or transfer part of my Bitcoin. I have one whole Bitcoin. Uh, when I send you half of it or 75%, what happens? Let's use 75%, right? I send 0.75 to my pal and he pays me. What happens to the other 0.25%? That actually spins off into a new public address, okay? 
And if I'm looking at it through my exchange, it'll show I still have a 0.25 balance, okay? But if I, if I log into the Blockchain Explorer, it will show there's actually two transactions going. One person got 0.75, one person got 0.25. So you have to make sure you, you check both, um, depending on what side you're on, right? Um, and then you want to check the dollar amount at the time of that transaction, too. Okay. So then you talked about proof of stake. Yes. So are there problems with identifying or tracing proof of stake coins? This was my favorite thing to do of all of this. Um, it's, I love that. It's legit. Um, it's, it's totally clean cut. Um, I, so on one end, I just click freeze my funds, right? And I come back next week, I log in, I have this many XYZ tokens, okay? My funds are still the same. I still have 30,000 Tron here, right? Next week I come in, I still have 30,000 Tron, but I have 1,000 whatever tokens, right? And those whatever tokens are held up in a different account, right? And then I can sell those on a different exchange. Um, and with on that exchange, I sell them for Tron, right? And then I have to withdraw them. If I never withdraw those tokens, right, I can move them somewhere else. And you can't ever prove they existed. And it's going to be very, very hard to prove that I froze those funds. It's very difficult. You have to, you have to know to look for something called Tron Scan, and then you have to know what to look for in that. Um, so I can freeze them, and you wouldn't be able to tell uh, without going in there. And that's, that's very difficult to find. Um, so that is just easy money. They are paying you in whatever coin this is. Uh, or the token. Remember, there's a, there's a coin. Think of it in, in a simpleton view. There's a coin and a token, right? A coin can produce tokens. You then sell the token for the coin. Um, and the tokens are where the problem lies because then I can trade them for other tokens. I can move them all across the universe, really. Um, can you move them to Mars? <laughs> Not yet. Not Maybe. yet. Soon uh, enough. It wouldn't, yeah, if, if they could figure out a way to get data there, you could do it. Um, that's another uh, good aspect of cryptocurrency is you can do it person to person. Um, it's, it's verified. It's validated. You can't undo it. So you got to be careful when you do it. But I don't need a bank anymore. I can go cross borders. I don't need, I don't need any middleman. There's no uh, markup on the currency exchange or anything like that. Um, so Where did cryptocurrency start? Uh, there's a, a legendary figure called uh, Satoshi Yakamoto, I think. It's, it's Satoshi. Uh, and that's actually what the units are called now. Uh, nobody knows who this person really is. Uh, and so he wrote what's called the Bitcoin white paper and started mining it And right after the financial collapse in 2008 okay. in the uh, recession. He was not a big fan of bailouts, and he thought that was crooked and corrupt. And so he created a way to completely cut out essentially the banking system and the government from currency. Right. right? And what is currency? Uh, it's a great way to think about it because um, I can own this. You can't take that from me. You can't intercept it. You can't block it. Right. right? Even if I took your, your little yeah, cold wallet. Nev you'll never get it. I, I can't yeah. get it because mm -hmm. I don't have your password or your 24 words yeah. or anything. And you can't stop me from sending. You can't intercept it. Um, and so I can do whatever deals I want with anyone, and they'll never know. I, I mean, well, 
they'll know, but they can't stop me. Yeah. And so I can, people get paid in Bitcoin. Some companies are starting to pay their people in Bitcoin. That's happening game. internationally a lot, mm -hmm. isn't it? It is. It's a risky game because Bitcoin doubled in the last two months, three months. Um, doubled in value? Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, and then, of course, it's going back down and it, it, it swings a lot, but the doubling is very big. It, it, it drops like 5% or something. Uh, it's gone from, actually, if I remember correctly, it was around uh, $3,000 at one point in time for a very long time. For one Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. Okay. And now it's about 12. Um, it could be a little lower. It could be a little higher. You know, it, I'm not checking right now. Uh, but yeah. it, it, it's going to be close to that. Um, and even if it's only nine, it's still tripled. Okay. And so it's a highly unregulated market. Uh, a lot of people think that there are these things called whales, which are just really rich people with a lot of Bitcoin influencing it. Okay. Uh, but uh, for the most part, uh, it's, it's a, a really interesting concept that doesn't seem to be going away. Yeah. Um, because, for instance, in the crisis in Venezuela, right, uh, people started using Bitcoin a lot down there or Dash. They used a lot of Dash to buy goods. And the government made it illegal and it's really hard for them to stop, right? And so a bunch of Americans were sending you know, 0.1 Dash or something, which is nothing, and it would feed these people for like a week. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and so they, had, they switched uh, to cryptocurrency uh, almost exclusively there. I think Uganda is really taking off with it too. In developing nations, uh, cryptocurrency is taking off because you don't have the runaway inflation problem because it's almost globally suppressed, right? Um, the cost of Bitcoin, we don't really care what's happening anywhere specifically because uh, it's all around the world. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin no matter what. There's an exchange value issue, you could say. If the cost of bread goes up, then maybe I need more Bitcoins for it. But uh, it gets rid of hyperinflation in, in developing countries to an extent, in a limited way. I don't want to make up a very broad statement on that. Um, it, it, it solves a lot of middleman problems. So in discovery, mm -hmm. how could you find out if somebody is validating a proof of stake? I need to know their address, and then I need to ask them in an interrogatory if they've, one, staked their funds, if they voted for a super representative. It's very pointed questions. Okay. Um, and then what you also... Or a deposition, I guess you could a deposition take a deposition. would probably be way... Would be much easier and better. Yeah. Um, and what you also want to do, you got to go back to that public address because maybe they cashed out, right? Maybe they cashed out this month, this month, this month, and you filed for divorce and there's no more cash out payment in the same amount. That would be an easy way because the payment, um, for instance, if it's Dash, if you're cashing out every month, it comes from the same address, Right. So I know who's paying me and I can prove it. And if I prove it stops, well, where did it go? Um, uh, with, with Dash, uh, well, Dash is a little more complicated, but if the payment stops in either of them, really, uh, that's a red flag. Look into it. Um, with, with Dash, you're going to actually have to have something there. There's going to be something accruing interest in the pool, too. So... Not only are you getting these monthly payments every month to your account, right? There's something generating the income in that other public key um, that you need to look at. And so you need to go through every single transaction that, you know, key one is made to key two. Uh, 
because one of them will be going the other direction, and that's what you're looking for. Not the, uh, the payments, but the initial investment. Okay. So what about node pools? How can you trace the transactions to a node pool? That's the node pool. Okay, sorry. So oh. both are proof of stake. Um, uh, a, that's a node pool where you actually want to see the money being paid and paid out. This is where there'll be like 40,000 transactions in, 40,000 transactions out. Okay. Big red flag for a node pool. Um, uh, the proof of stake, uh, I can go back to Tron a little more. Um, on Tron or those proof of stake algorithms, you should be able to watch it and there won't need to be the other income generating asset. You'll just receive the payments when they cash out. Uh, you're going to want to look at frequency of cash outs and if they're similar in amount and similar in frequency, that will be a big uh, red flag that they have staked their funds. And if those payments once again stop, they're being held up in escrow essentially uh, in in, I want to say the ether just for fun, but that's the, the wrong term. Uh, they're held by a third party. Okay. Held in escrow. Held in escrow. So what about proof of work or, or mining? Like how okay. can you trace that or how can you prove that exists? So uh, probably 99% of all mining is done in a mining pool. And that's where everyone gets together and puts their effort, their computers. Uh, they pool their resources, right? Um, with that, that one payment, right, sometimes it says exactly where it came from. It'll say nano pool payment to this public address. The problem is I need to have that public address. If I'm solo mining, uh, that's going to be much more difficult to show. Um, but for the most part, if you, if you give me public address one, right, I can follow it back to public address four and show that th that amount came from mining. Um, it'll, it will show it. The problem is you have to have given me a public address. If you never give me the public address, I don't know it exists. Um, but once again, if you go back to the bank account, right? Uh, bank account, link it to the exchange, and then you can trace every transaction on the exchange. You can trace it back to mining. And that, that would be the best way to show it. Work backwards from the bank. Um, that's that, incredibly interesting. That's yeah, it's a multi-step <laughs> process. Right. Um and yeah, that And that, it just seems like there are so few people that know this much about it. There are not many. I want to say I know maybe two other people uh, and not even personally really. Yeah. Like I know of two other people. How about that? Right. Um most people just, if, if you are going to own any cryptocurrency, you did it on an app on your phone with Coinbase. Um, and it's on my phone, and I'm good to go. I own however much. Relatively safe. Um, uh, but if somebody's being actually sneaky and, mm. and trying to use this in a way that, that is what oh, we yeah. feared from the beginning mm -hmm. of how we got started in this. I would mine and then <clears throat> save it on a paper wallet. Uh, but not a sheet of paper. Right. You know, carve it into wood or something. Yeah. Uh, that would be the best way to do it because I would never know to look for it. You have to, like, you finally get to do the the inspection part, right, of the production and inspection where I want to go <laughs> into your property. Right. Let me look around because what I want to do, what you should always do is look for one of these, right, look for your cold wallet, and then you got to look for those. It's going to be the seed key. Look for 
24 random words in order, right? If you see that, there is no reason to have a seed key of 24 random words unless you have a cold wallet or a hot wallet. So if you had, you know, if you had a, a safe in your house mm -hmm. and there's a piece of paper on uh, in the safe with 24 words written on it, that's a red flag. Big red flag. That is perhaps the best, best red flag ever. Because why else do I have, I mean, what possible excuse could I have, um, particularly if each of the words is four or five letters long? Um, that's Because only the first giveaway. four letters matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they normally make them. Five, four, five, six letters. So it's not like a, a little code for um, playing Scrabble. No, it'll it'll be <laughs> no. It's definitely not. It'll be like bird, uh, water. You know, it'll just Duck. be random. Yeah, random words, uh, all put together. And if you see that, that is just I you scream Eureka because they are hiding something from you, and you can prove they're hiding something from you. Um, and most people. If you, if you are a large crypto uh, investor, right, you don't want everything on an exchange because exchanges do go out of business. Frequently happens. They get shut down all the time. Most people keep 75% of their assets in cold or paper storage and 25% in the exchange. So you can do uh, opportunistic trading. Uh, and so... If I think you've got Bitcoin and I think you have a lot of it, you probably have some type of cold wallet or a paper wallet. Um, some people laminate them too. That would be even better. If you find a paper wallet, that's even a better. Uh, that You literally found it. You found a Bitcoin. Uh, that's Most people don't do that though because uh, you don't want it. You want it to be fireproof. Uh, and so they use a, a steel plate where you just put the letters in. All right. Well, we have uh, reached the end of this, the third section of the uh, Tales from the Crypto webinar. So we've been talking about tracing cryptocurrency. We're now going to uh, take a little short break and move to the fourth section of our webinar. And we're going to leave the topic of cryptocurrency and kind of back go backwards a little bit into other digital assets, other intangible assets that could be issues in a divorce and what to deal with them. So we'll be right back. Keep in mind that this is a webinar that's aimed at attorneys. This is for continuing legal education. If you're out there watching this, this webinar and you're not an attorney, we welcome you to watch it. But remember that we are not giving you any specific legal advice. We cannot comment on any specific case or situation without knowing all the facts. So if you need legal advice, this webinar is not a substitute for legal advice. Please, please seek the advice of a lawyer as to your specific situation and get specific advice to that. Because if you rely on just what we're talking about here, we're being general, we're talking about general legal pr principles that may not actually apply to your situation. This is for continuing legal education only, and we cannot create an attorney-client relationship just through the video camera. Okay? Thanks. <laughs>